For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 235. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. This is Richard Ryerson. Happy, as always, that you're tuning into the show, the show where we talk about topic of leadership. Why is it important? Because leadership is central to everything that we do. Every aspect of our life is touched by leadership. And the reality is your success is dependent upon how well you're going to lead. Think about that. Your success in your life is dependent on how well you understand and apply leadership throughout your life. So therefore, it's important for all of us. It's not about getting the position or title. Position or title does not make you a leader. The leader makes the position or title. And remember, like I say in every show, somebody right now is looking to you for influence and guidance. It doesn't matter who you are. At least one person is looking to you. So it's in our interest to learn all we can about leadership. It's about adding value to people's lives and not expecting anything in return, pouring your life into somebody else. That's the best way to increase your leadership influence. And so hopefully this show is a great resource for you, a great free resource to help you in your leadership journey. And if you are finding some value in the show, please take the time to subscribe, to rate, to review. I cannot tell you how much that helps the show, and it's so important that if you can take the time on iTunes, go subscribe. It's not the most intuitive, but if you can go hook it up on your iPhone, hit the the subscribe button, hit the rating and review, and it'd be so nice to get that feedback from you. Stitcher, the same way. And again, it helps so much. And especially in that crowded world of podcasts, it's so important that... uh, the, the algorithm goes on those those ratings and reviews. So anything that you can do is a great help. So thank you for that. And speaking of podcasts, I have a new one out there called Out of the Mud. I launched it a couple of weeks ago. And it's where we highlight those stories of hope, success, and significance in the face of adversity. Because let's face it, all of us are going to go through life and we can't escape adversity. Things are going to happen to us. And what I'm always interested in is hearing how people in those overwhelming moments where you're buried in the mud, how did you pull yourself out? And how were you transformed when you came out of the mud? That's what the show Out of the Mud is all about. For example, I talked to Jero Martinez, the Iraq war vet who won Dancing with the Stars. We hear all about his story. Great hour-long conversation about how he was injured in Iraq and then how he was disfigured and badly burned and how he transformed. And even today he says he wouldn't change anything, that it was actually a true blessing. And so that's an amaze- That's amazing to me, and I, that's what the show is all about. So again, take the time. Go look for Out of the Mud. You can learn more at outofthemud.tv. It's not .com. It's outofthemud.tv. You can listen to all the interviews there. And again, same thing. You can subscribe and rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher as well. All right. Great show today. So excited to have Karen Merrick on the show. She's the founder and CEO of Pocket Mentor. And she's been an entrepreneur for quite a while, for the better part of two decades. And she started a variety of enterprises, including 
the global software company Web Methods. She took it from her and her husband to a Nasdaq-traded company with $200 million in revenue and 1,100 employees worldwide. She was also the co-founder, president, and chairman of the Web Methods Foundation, which is a pioneering corporate foundation that made grants supporting innovative nonprofits. She's been an angel investor, an executive, a board member. Of course, she's a, a wife and a mother, and uh, she's just a great inspiration to all of us out there who are trying to be entrepreneurs, trying to be better leaders. And she's created a really cool app, I, one of the best ones I've ever seen. I downloaded it to my iPhone called Pocket Mentor. And if you're into personal development and growth and leadership, I highly recommend that you go download it. And it's just a, a great app. You'll learn a little bit more about it in this conversation. You'll definitely learn a lot more about Karen. I just think she's a true joy and a true inspiration and a great person to, to model and learn about life, about leadership, about entrepreneurship. It's all there. So without further ado, here's Karen Merrick on Dose of Leadership. Well, Karen, what an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, you know, we were talking uh, prior to this recording here, and I have so many questions. And first and foremost, I guess, how did you get uh, involved and so passionate about leadership and entrepreneurship? How did it all start for you? Well, that's a great question. Um, uh, I guess I could say it started back at university at UCLA. I'm the first woman in my family to earn a college education and I had to put myself through school because my parents were getting a divorce and, you know, there was no one there to help me. And um, I took off a few years. I just wasn't ready. I didn't have the courage to actually start school and support myself. But when I was ready, <clears throat> I got a job at the Placement and Career Planning Center at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And that's how I put myself through school. And even though it was hard... It turns out that working at a placement and career planning center was the best preparation for me uh, in my career, in my growth as a leader, uh, and in, I think, my ability to continually grow. So I get there. I'm my first day at UCLA's uh, career center, and there's probably 30 alumni um, at all ages and stages in their career, and they come in and they're like, I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. Can you help me figure out what to do? And it was a real wake-up call for me because here I had wanted to earn this degree, thought it was going to be kind of the ticket to, to the rest of my life, which in some ways it was, but I realized then this is just the beginning. And so um, I got some tools there. I got a degree in political science, moved to Washington, D.C., thought I wanted to change the world through policy and politics, and I went um, into a collision of sort of this revelation that this is very bureaucratic. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, why didn't I know this? That I, I, I really don't like bureaucracy. So I went back to some of the tools from the Career Center. I took some tests on my own and realized um, that I'm an entrepreneur at heart and really have a strong um, set of skills and, and strengths for being an entrepreneur. So I decided that I wanted to start my own business uh, did some more self-assessment, realized my strengths were in marketing, um, looked around and got a job uh, with a woman who was running her own business. I did a lot of research. So I worked for this woman for a few years, and I was getting ready to launch my own business, met my husband. On our first date, I said, I'm starting a business. You know, this is what I'm doing. I'm on my way. And he said, oh, well, I want to start a business too. And I had never met anyone else, uh, I dated anyone else who wanted to start a business. So you know, seven months later, we, we were engaged. Four months later, we got married. We've been married for almost 23 years. And um, after we got married, I did launch a company. America Online was my first 
uh, client. I was doing direct mail for them. And then we had a family tragedy and we had to move back to Australia where my husband was from. His mother had a terminal illness. While we were in Australia, um, I got more clients. He became VP of engineering at a software company because he's an engineer. And then we ended up working together in Australia. His mom went into remission. When we came back to the United States, we had already launched a software company. Wow. And so we, uh, you know, we had the typical startup story. It was um, friends and family, uh, investors. Uh, We got rejected by all the major venture capital firms. We got down to the last $35 in our bank account. But this startup, which was my second startup, um, we turned a corner. And we got uh, a venture capital investor and our customers grew, and we ended up taking that company public on the NASDAQ, and it was the most successful software IPO in history the day we went public. And the company grew to 1,100 employees worldwide. The revenue was about $200 million a year, and we ended up um, growing that company. I left the company to start a foundation to help low-income families, um, and my husband served as CEO for many years, and then he stepped down, and the company was sold for $540 million to Software AG years later wow. so it was just a great entrepreneurial experience my second company really went the distance oh, <laughs> and it's gosh. it's still thriving um the revenues doubled after software ag um acquired it uh and the company's called web methods and it's still thriving as a very big part of software ag that's an amazing story i'm sitting here in awe and like like wow so many things we could learn from those experiences i mean what so here you are today I'm going to go back to some of that history, but before we do that, what is the dream now then? I mean, after all that great kind of ups and downs and success and, and um, what's the dream today? Well, my dream today is to, it's in, in some ways, it's a dream that I've always had and that I think I've always used, but now in a more focused way, which is to really help people develop their potential and use it professionally. Um, I learned a lot by doing, and I believe that that's the way to go. But over the years, as I manage people, and now I serve on public company boards, so I, I, I provide oversight for management teams of public companies, um, and I've run, started and run nonprofits. I've been an angel investor. In all of the roles that I've had, even from the time that I was a receptionist before I went to college, um, I, it was fascinating to me that so many people that I would speak with had so many considerable talents and abilities that they underestimated in themselves. Or I would observe that they would just get stuck. They would just get in the mud, as you and I were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been motivated to do what I could to help them move forward. And I think now I have a lot of experience, real-world experience, that I can can combine with cutting-edge research and the wisdom of the ages, so to speak, to really um, help people continue to grow as leaders and to continue to thrive in their careers. I love that. I love that from what I heard from you that you kind of came to entrepreneurship in the traditional sense. A lot of times when we talk about if if I can be stereotypical, you talk to someone who's had that success uh, that you've had entrepreneurially that, you know, you were – you know, going door to door when you're a six year old selling whatever, and you're finding all these opportunities you're going around. But it sounds like you came to entrepreneurship, Johnny, come lately, like a lot of us do, which I think is fantastic because it, I think at heart, a lot of us are, um, well, let's face it, as a human race, we were born entrepreneurs, right? We had to figure out how to make fire right. and, and everything yes. else. And what I love about what I just heard from you was, was 
you were someone that never really considered yourself an entrepreneur until um, your early 20s. And I, th- I find that fascinating. Is that true? That's exactly true. And in fact, it, my older brother started a landscape company. Um, he had worked on a crew. He had a degree in journalism, couldn't find a job. So he just got a job in landscaping. But he, then, he, then he left that company and started his own very successful company. And my older sister also started out as a secretary working for this sound and design firm and then went into sales and then really thought the company was unethical. So she went and started her own business. So I would look at them and I would think, you guys are just working too hard. You know, this is, this doesn't look like a whole lot of fun, but then it's sort of like, I guess, yes, I realized, you know, this is who I am, but I was definitely inspired by, by the work that they had done. Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't want to gloss over this point. I think it's so critical because I, I've met, I've interviewed a lot and I've met a lot of entrepreneurs and it's weird. There's almost a subclass and I've always had a problem. I never talked about this on the air, but I've always had a problem sometimes of it. And I've heard some successful entrepreneurs say this, you're either an entrepreneur or you're not. And that might partly be true, but I have a problem with that statement because it's like saying the same thing with leadership. It's saying you're either a leader or you're not. Now, I disagree with that. I, I think too. entrepreneurship I, can be learned. I do too. Now, I agree that some people have more natural abilities at it, just like there are kind of more naturally inclined leaders. There's naturally inclined. But I, I get that. But I sometimes I think that kind of mentality is that same mentality that we've heard throughout the years on leadership saying, you know, you're born a leader. There's nothing from a pedigree standpoint that makes you a great leader. And I think it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. It doesn't have to necessarily be a pedigree. You know, if you're not in the club or you don't have the genetic traits to be an entrepreneur, you're not going to be successful. I always have a problem with that. But I, I, so I just love, I love your story. I love your kind of self-discovery, if you will, that all of us have the potential to be great entrepreneurs or better entrepreneurs. Just the same thing as leadership. Anyway, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. Wow, that's so many questions. So. How much of that experience, and you said, from when you kind of had that self-awareness and that self-discovery to where, okay, and of you know you met met your husband and we started this business. How much throughout that time frame? What, what are we? Is that are we talking two decades here plus? If I, yeah, if, yeah. So yeah, in that, it was nineteen ninety six and ninety seven that we really got our company off the ground. Okay, so how much of that has been a battle or of struggle of fighting resistance? primarily from yourself, of limiting beliefs, of self-doubt, and just kind of pushing through that. How much of that has been uh, that experience for you? Well, I have to say that, so we started in 96. We finally got venture funding at the end of 97 after, you know, maxing out our credit cards and being out of the last $33 in the bank. Um, And then we took it public in 2000. So it was definitely not like an overnight success. Right. But really, I found the courage for that when I went through university, because I remember that I just, it was really hard for me to get the courage to go put myself through school. And I remember the day that I graduated from UCLA, I thought I can do anything because that whole process, I had gone to my grandparents and said, Oh, will you lend me the money to go to school? And they said, Oh, we have 10 grandkids. We can't help you because we'd have to help everybody. We really don't have the money. And so I felt like just putting myself through school was like the biggest thing I'd ever done in my life. But doing that, I was so glad. I remember on that day thinking, I am so glad they said no, because I would not have known what I was capable of. Mm. So flash forward several years later when we started this business, and this was my second business. My first business had been much smaller, uh, but I thought, what's the worst thing that can happen? 
<laughs> you know, uh, so we'll lose everything. Well, we're married. We don't have kids. So, so, so we'll, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? And now in these days, there's a whole new set of challenges and opportunities to go through because, you know, um, you know, earlier I was really motivated because we had taken on angel investors and I didn't want to lose their money. Then I was motivated because we had shareholders and I, I wanted them to get a return on their investment. I wanted our employees to thrive. Well, now I'm starting over again and I'm not using that same model. I'm, I'm my own angel investor. So I have to stay self-motivated in terms of what is it that I want to accomplish? You know, what is it that I want to see happen in the lives of the people who use my app? Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, what I love about he- you and what I'm hearing about you is like you're a person that just completely early on and just realizing that even when you went to, to college, university, that you realized early on that um, it is about self-awareness. It is about kind of suspending the belief on how you're going to get there. It's just knowing that you're going to, you know, I see so many people get wrapped up on and, and in some ways we're kind of ingrained in that way. It's like, oh, we got to plan this. We got to do this. And, and we kind of buy into this mindset that life is one set of perfect executed linear plans. And right. I think you, you early, early on you realize that that's not the case, right? Right. Because life happens and, and you know, one success does build upon another, right. but also one failure or two failures or three failures can be the thing that ends up building your success. Right. So, right. I, I, I we, when we had started our company web methods and we had so many rejections from venture capitalists across the country, um, that just made us more resolute <laughs> mm-hmm. to just keep trying because we felt like we were onto something and we just could not let it go. And it turns out in that case, we were right now in the ensuing years, as we became angel investors, not every investment, not every investment turned out because just the law of averages. And there's a lot of things you can't control, like the recession or 9-11 was a really tough experience for our company. We pulled through it, but, the, you know, the whole economy um, was shattered. How do you prevent giving, you know, everything that I'm hearing there it is focused around tenacity and never giving up. If there's one consistent theme of 250 plus interviews and all these and the plus the interviews I do here locally with entrepreneurs – Tenacity is the number one thing. You can never quit. You can never give up. How do you stay tenacious? Yeah, well, I think if you are, if you make up your mind that you want to keep growing and keep learning, you look for the wisdom of others. You look for tools and resources that can help you to not give up. So, for example, even in this new business, you know, I have to stay with it. It's um, I'm used to like, being able to call a Wall Street Journal reporter and have them, you know, want to talk about my company. Well, this is a little small startup, right? It's not in the same realm. So I have, in some ways, it's starting over, which shows me that I really love startups, that I love to start over. But I do know that I can't do it on my own. And so I'm constantly listening to the stories of others. I listen to your podcast. I listen to other podcasts to remind myself that I'm not alone, to cherry pick good ideas, to be open to learning new things. And um, I think that's really part of it. I think you need to constantly be looking for that. And then I have tools. I have a vision board. I have a good calendar. You know, I just keep going. I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I look at my past successes and what what has happened and, and what I've learned. But I also look at how even my past failures have propelled me forward. Yeah, you've embraced the messiness of it. That's what I'm hearing and what I love about you is that you, you're embracing the messiness of it all and realizing 
that even if it is a setback or your back's up against the wall, your mindset is these are there are opportunities in all of this. And, and that's the truth. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. That is the truth for every single person listening to your podcast today. If they look back on some one or two or three really great successes, even if they're small things like, uh, you know, the CEO sent you an email, which by the way, you should always save those and post them somewhere. When someone sends you a really great um, affirmation about something that you did, remind yourself of that because we're so forgetful. But also if you honestly look back at your setbacks and your failures, you will find it's not even that hard to find a lot of good that came out of that. You gained right. an insight, you gained a new friendship, you gained a door that opened, a surprising door that opened. And I look at where I'm at in my career today now, um, doing better than I ever, ever dreamed. And I had really high expectations. Um, and I can see that a lot of the setbacks uh, are, are, are what put me here, not just the successes. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's like when you look back at at the path of where you got to, it, it makes sense. But sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you're like, where is this going? But Well, right. So let me give you an example of that. A couple of years ago, um, you know, after we had had this wonderful business success, and then we decided, we had decided before we ever started the company that if our company grew, we wanted to really invest in our community. And so when the company went public that year, we set aside 10% of our shares and we started something called the Web Methods Foundation. It was a family foundation, but we ran it like a corporate foundation because we wanted to help people like us from working class families who had been really blessed. We wanted to help people get an education and level the playing field for them so that they could become successful. So the foundation grew and it was it was fantastic because we were able to learn about all of these issues facing um, people who are, who were really, really challenged in their environment. And so because of that and because of the business, I started looking around and I thought, there's no one in our state Senate. There's no woman like me in our state Senate. And so I decided to run for the state Senate. So it was a really, it was an odyssey. It was a wonderful experience. I had great advisors, a great campaign. It was like running a startup. But I lost the election. Hmm. But it turns out from that entire process, I have relationships now that I wouldn't have had, relationships that have led to serving on public company boards, for example. Uh, so if I hadn't stepped out and said, hey, there's a hole here. There's, we need more women who have been entrepreneurs and who understand what working class families go through and you know, who've walked the talk. So I, you know, so I ran. Well, I failed, right? I didn't win. But right now, I actually am able to do more because I actually ran and failed I can have a greater impact now than I think I would have otherwise. Right. It's having that maturity level of of, to, of marinating on every one of those experiences. That's what that's what I'm hearing you say right there. I mean, you have to. Every single event, opportunity, connection is an opportunity for development and growth. And I think you have to have the take the time to marinate on every single one of those experiences. Yeah, I think, I think you're right about that. And and that's one thing that I in in the Pocket Mentor app that I do, which is it's a daily read, it's daily career advice and insight to help people recognize um, opportunities and setbacks, but also to just give them um, the the opportunity to reflect. It's right on their smartphone. It's right in their pocket, you know, five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, even two minutes a day. And the first five minutes, excuse me, the first five days of the app, though, take them through this self-discovery, this self-awareness, this um, self-assessment by, you know, doing exercises to understand their purpose, to 
understand their strengths, to set goals that energize them, and then to work a plan to achieve those goals every day. But it really does take that kind of reflection every day, I think. You know, it's a great app. I'm sitting there as we're talking, and I'm um, I'm thumbing through it. And um, I love the way it looks. I love the way it flows. And you're right. So many times we, we look for, and you and I were talking before the recording about how there's so many leadership articles. There's so much self-help. There's so much motivation. It's a crowded space. And, and it all, sometimes it, you know, where do I search? Where do I go? And, you know, a lot of times people send us these daily emails where we sign up for some list. But this is different. This is unique. I like the way it looks where I can just grab it whenever I want grab a little article, get a little motivated, bookmark it, spin a note about it. So well done on this uh, app, by the way. I just think it's great. Thank you. Thank you. I really wanted it to be accessible and easy. Yeah, and, it's really easy. you know, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago. You may have read it about how more publishers are publishing straight to apps. Yeah. And so I may be an early adopter in this space, but I do think that that, that time will be on my side in this. Yeah. <laughs> How did you come up with the content? I mean, that's the thing, right? It's always like it's the content. I mean, you've spent a lot of time on this content. Have, have you reached a lot of resources? Have you wrote a lot of it yourself? I mean, how did you um, come up with all this amazing content? Well, I started with um, um, surveying the people that I wanted to serve and um, getting advice from them um, or insights from them on what what is it that they needed. And, of course, I combined that with my personal observation that – um, that whether, as I said, I've, whether I've been meeting to mentor an early college graduate or just having coffee with a friend who's a senior vice president or a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, sometimes their stories are the same. They are not sure if they're in the right job. They want to have a greater purpose. They want to know their purpose and fulfill it in their lives. They, they want to know that they're making an impact in the world and that their life is making a difference. And then I also um, uh, continue to upgrade the app with content from letters that I receive from readers. And they'll say things like, I don't get along with my boss, or I need more confidence, or I'm just not clear on what to do now, or should I leave my job? Should I start a business? So I decided, as I said, to sort of the anchor of the app is the first five days where you go through a period of self-discovery, understand what your strengths really are, set goals that energize you, then one day at a time, you can look at the app and it will help you solve any problem, recognize opportunities, and kind of understand what your next steps should be so that you, you keep moving forward in your career and thriving in it. Great job on it. Like I said, I can't say it. There's something different about it, something unique. I mean, there's so many things out there, but the simplicity of it is what, what I like. And the, kind of the, the content is just fabulous. So great job on this. Thank you. And I'm adding videos soon because um, – when I surveyed my audience, they said they want more videos. So that's coming in. And we're going to be upgrading, um, sending out a new update of the app in October, and uh, we'll have videos in it. So why? So is the app the same as the blog? I mean, because the traditional medium is everybody's, well, go to my blog and get my content and everything else. I mean, can I get the same information on Pocket Mentor, the website, or, or yourpocketmentor.com? Yourpocketmentor.com, you can get some of the information, but you get the premium information and more of the information in the app. And of course, in the app, you get the functionality that it's right on your smartphone. You click on it, you're there. It's searchable. You can take notes. You can share it with your friends. Uh, And so, but there is really good information, I think, at yourpocketmentor.com on my blog. Yeah, no, that's a great blog too, but I was just curious if it was a, 
if there was a difference, and it seems like there is because I'm looking through right now and it's different than the app. And I just, I love this app. Thank you. I'm so glad you like it. So, you know, one thing that I really appreciate and I caught my eye as I was looking through the app, and I say this all the time about when it comes to leadership, and a lot of people want to know the kind of the secret sauce of like, well, how do I get people to follow me and everything else? And to me, it's always about how do you become more influential? And to me, it's, it's simply by dedicating your life to adding value to other people intentionally in every transaction, every human being. I don't care if it's a cashier, obviously your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, just every interaction and having that intentionality of adding value. How can I add value to this person's life? To me, that's the secret sauce to leadership. What's your thought on that? I couldn't agree with you more. I think, I think leadership is service. And uh, I really understood, I really came to understand that more and more as I moved ahead in my, in my own career, that really when you're the leader, so much more is expected of you. You actually lose lots of your, um, uh, more of your freedom because you're thinking about the well-being of everyone else. So you're the one who needs to make the sacrifices to make things happen. It's, it's, you know, it's up to you to think about the highest good of other people and to be generous and to, um, to think about what's best for, for other people. I, I couldn't agree with you more. What do you think? Why do you think we have such a struggle with um, service and sacrifice? Or do we? I mean, maybe you, I mean, I, I'm just talking as population general, not necessarily you personally, but why do, why do we seem to struggle with, we can walk into a room and instantaneously, if this person we're interacting with is grumpy or whatever, and we automatically think it's us, as opposed to if we had an idea of service and sacrifice, we're like, wow, maybe this person's hurting, how can I help? Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, I think that we there's two things that come to mind when you raise this question. One is, I think if we spend a little more time understanding ourselves better and leading ourselves better, we'd be able to deal with every situation better. I think that so many of us walk around and we don't even understand what motivates us. We don't understand what our purpose is. We don't understand what our value is, what our strengths are. And I think that once we make a habit of really understanding those and cultivating those, it changes everything. And I also think that we need to be proactive and, and um, work at gratitude, work at seeing our lives and other people from a vantage point of abundance and not scarcity. Um, It's not a zero sum game. You know, if every, someone else is successful, it's not a reflection on me. It's a great thing for them and I can be successful too. But I really believe that it really starts with kind of knowing yourself and appreciating the value that you, that you offer. Because once you have that as your foundation and you're, you're, you're growing in that perspective, it changes the way that you look at yourself. And then when you, when you change the way you look at yourself, you change the way that you look at and interact with the world around you. Yeah, you said some great things there coming from a place, starting from a place of abundance. And I think that does start from being appreciative and thankful. I mean, thankful for, I mean, starting the day, um, the, it's weird. It's just the little things. And I'm, I'm curious about your daily habits too. But I mean, the, once I started, my feet hit the floor and I just hit thank you that I could put my feet on the floor and start that. It just, it changes the perspective instantaneously as opposed to focusing on myself. Right? It does. And, and it's true. Some wise person once said that gratitude leads you to the truth. Mm-hmm. This is true. 
whatever your situation is, you you do need to find the gratitude there. And it's it's like the low-hanging fruit that you should just pick off the tree because it's right there. And it does change your perspective, changes the, the trajectory of your whole day. What are your daily habits? Uh, you know, I wrote an article about this called Tweak Your Morning Routine, and it changes everything. Um, so many years ago, I started, I began my day with a devotion. I'm a, I'm a Christian, and to me, that's the most important part of my day. So I have the various, various tools that I use for my devotional time. I, I read Tim Keller. I read my Bible. Um, but then I also move into a gratitude walk. I walk around, I walk around the neighborhood, I walk around my house, and I just say thanks for lots and lots of, of aspects of my life, people, situations that I'm thankful for. Um, and then I usually will do some stretching three days a week. I work out with a personal trainer and uh, to get exercise. And I recently actually bought a treadmill desk. I'm standing on it right oh, now, nice. but it's not on because I thought it might make some noise <laughs> for, the, for the broadcast. Right. Um, and that's how I start my day. And then I actually go through, um, yeah, I journal a little bit, and then I go through what are the three most important things I need to do today. And I look at my calendar, and uh, I'm a working mom. I have a, uh, two sons, one in middle school, one in high school, and a husband. And so, you know, there's always lots of motion in our household. All right. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love hearing people's daily habits because, I, I, we, again, something that, especially as we grow as leaders, we cannot take that for granted. You know, the daily habits, just even if improving 1% or one-tenth of 1% every day, think about how much you can improve over a lifetime, you know, even over a month. And you don't, that's why I think it's important. The compound effect of just starting little daily habits start to build upon themselves. Exactly. And I, you know, we've said this word a lot, reflection, but really that's where your powerful insights come from Mm -hmm. when you carve out the time and, it's interesting because there are so many ways that we carve out time. One of them is intentionally, like with a morning routine. Sometimes it can be when you're just driving in your car. Yeah. Or you just, you just leave your desk and you go and you walk around the building. Um, or you're at a conference and you're listening to someone else, but you've carved out this space to think. And all of a sudden, these insights come to you. Yeah. And so we need to really we need to, to make the time because that's, that's where a lot of growth happens. Yeah, that's the thing that I've really starting to realize over the past few years, and there's power in the pause. I mean, sometimes I felt like I just had to go because I'm spinning a thousand plates, and I feel like the validation wrongly is coming from spinning the plates. Well, <laughs> the spinning the plates is sometimes just the price of, of what you're trying to get. you got to do have the power of the pause to you know, figure out where you're going, right, to listen. You've to- got too much going on not to pause. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that. So what's, what gives you life now? We talked about what's the dream now, but what gives you life on a daily basis? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right in a place now where I'm able to devote a lot of time to what really matters to me. So my family, obviously my family um, and my husband, I'm really, really engaged in this business. I'm also um, on the board of the Metropolitan Washington Airports Authority, so I'm able to continue to serve the public, even though I didn't get elected to that to the state senate. And um, that whole world of aviation and, and what's happening at, at the two airports that we oversee is just fascinating to me. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm also learning how to sail. I'm actually I've got two levels of certification, and in January I'm planning to go spend a week to get my bare boat captain certification so that I can take a boat out on my own and maybe bring some girlfriends with me. Wow. <laughs> That's fun. You know, That's definitely out of my comfort zone. Well, then you, should, you need to do it. 
You need to, right. you need to figure it out. Yeah, that's fun. I've always thought about figuring out sailing, and they say pilots make good um, sailors. You, you absolutely would. You are going to be a natural at it. I can't encourage you enough on this. Because there's, it's the, I mean, basically, sail is a sideways wing. It's the same thing. And it's lift. Yeah, it's lift. Yep. Well, and even and even with the sailing, I just I've only it's been the past four or five years that we've started to sail as a family, and my husband and my older son who's also learning how to be a pilot, are really good at it. Our older son in particular is the best one at it. And there were times when I would just get seasick and it was like a grind. And I thought, why am I doing this? But I kept pushing through. I found some resources to help me. And I'm so glad I didn't give up because I would be missing out on this great family time. And now I'm going to learn how to be become a captain myself. So now I can go sail the world if I ever want to. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's a perfect analogy, right? I mean, the same thing. And even if it's a little thing like that, you just you keep, you never give up. You keep persevering and, and you can, something profound will happen on the other side. Right. And the other lesson there is it can be good and it can be right and it can be the very best thing for you to do for any number of reasons, but it's still hard it's and it's right. uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. You're absolutely right. The growth zone and the comfort zone don't, don't reside in the same plane. They don't. And so if you're going to, Focus on growth. And it's a lifetime process, right? It's something that, as we were talking about in the, the John Maxwell quote, it's a life, leadership is a, and growth and personal growth is a day by day by day by day process. It never stops. And so it's never a point where you plant a flag and say, I've arrived. Exactly. And you, we do need to keep learning and growing. And all of the research shows that we are happiest when we're growing. And one of the things I love about my new business is I'm learning so much. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm obviously I'm able to apply lessons that I've learned before, but I'm, I'm, I'm really a rookie in some other areas. And I love that. I love that there's so much to learn. And I've had to really learn to love that because it's, it's nice when you feel mastery. And so I really had to overcome that, that sense of not really exactly knowing what to do, but just learning to be comfortable that I'm going to keep learning. I can, I can, you know, keep, keep adding to, to my uh, knowledge base. And I don't have to know everything. I can learn by doing, which Richard Branson, my, one of my biggest heroes, um, he's a big believer in learning by doing. Yeah. He's just, he's, you know, I mean, Virgin Galactic is a great example of that. I mean, it's really rocket science. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, it's fine. It's pursuing, like you said, if you find something that makes you feel uncomfortable, then use it as a barometer is what I say and, um, and, and pursue it and see what happens. Something profound will happen. Providence will move if, if, if you sit down. Despite what you're feeling, if you sit down and do the work, Providence is going to move too. That's how I look at it. Well, I agree with that. And as a matter of fact, with all of your experience as a pilot, there are so many analogies. You should write a leadership book based on, based on that, based on the science and the physics mm-hmm. of it and the leadership of it. Oh, I know. I and trust me. I mean, I have content, and, and it will happen someday. And uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of what I've learned about leadership and a lot of um, is has been from from flying experiences and flying multi career aircraft and just flying it. And the whole idea of intuition and and um, you can call it the Holy Spirit or gut instinct or whatever the case may be. I'm a strong believer in that. You know, you know, Gladwell talks about it a lot in Blink and. Um, I, as a pilot, you get you learn to tap into that. Like, I can't tell you how many times, and I can guarantee you if there's pilots out there listening to this, they know this has happened. You can go through and something doesn't seem right and your gut's telling you, and nine times out of ten, you've missed it. Sometimes it's innocuous, like you missed a switch or you missed something. 
but uh, you learn to tap into that. And I think as entrepreneurs and leaders, you need to do that as well. You know, I mean, there's, there's a reason why you have that intuitive ability and it's more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. It is. I totally agree with you. In fact, I do think that um, if I were to say that there's one thing I've noticed about most people, and that is they underestimate their oh, yeah. capacity. Sure. They, under, sure. they underestimate their ability and their intuition, and they underestimate their capacity for um, what they can actually do. And, and that's, you know, the self-limiting beliefs, we've talked about that. That's really what holds people back more than anything. And, and I say this a lot to women, especially women who want to serve on public company boards. And I'm an advocate and I get involved in, in that through my women in technology group um, that I say, you know, the person who has the most influence over your success, whether you want to serve on a corporate board, whether you want to start and grow a business, whether you want to have a happy marriage, uh, you are the one who has more influence than anyone else. Over yeah. your own ability to succeed at what you want to succeed and at. I, and I would add to that that we, you also have the 100% responsibility for that success too. I think a lot of times you, you talk about a marriage or your business or whatever you're trying to do. You think, well, you know, to, for this marriage to be successful, it, it's a 50-50 deal. No, it's not. It's 100% yours. You know what I mean? It's like you have 100% responsibility to be the best spouse that you can be. Does that make sense? Right. Well, you have more influence over yourself right. than you do over anyone Absolutely. else. Absolutely. <laughs> and the thing is, if you influence yourself and make you the best person you, you can be, you know, that's, I think we talked about this before the recording is like, you give yourself, the, you know, just through your example of shining your light on that example, you give people around you the permission to do the same. And that's so true. We are so influential already. We are yep. influencing things every day by what we do and by what we say. Yeah. Awesome. I'm curious about who people's heroes are. I like to kind of end the conversations on, if you had the ultimate opportunity to have invite five people alive or dead to this ultimate night of conversation and, and education, who would those five people be at your dinner? Richard, I love this question. It is so thought provoking. And as I've listened to your podcast, it has really inspired me to think about that. It's so hard. thank you for yeah. asking this question. It's hard. Um, it's a there hard are, there are a couple people who I've always, always wanted to meet, you know, alive or have passed. One of them is Clara Schumann. Um, she was married to Richard Schumann, both of them composers um, in the 1800s. And I believe she passed away early in the 1900s um, or late 1800s. And she was so accomplished and creative in her own right. And so was he. And they had this wonderful marriage and the two of them together did so much. And I think I'm drawn to that because my husband and I have done so much together in, in our in our business life and in our philanthropic lives. Um, so Clara Schumann and then Steven Spielberg. I, he's such a wonderful storyteller and he has such a generosity of spirit. I would love to have a conversation with him. Yeah. I'd love to just have a whole dinner with him. Yeah, that would be awesome. And then there's other people. Would you ask this question? Some of the people who immediately come to my mind are not people that, anybody will ever read about in the newspaper. They're just those people in my community who are like the backbone of our community and who are so talented. And like some of them have done amazing things. They have amazing degrees, but they've chosen to just serve quietly. And when you asked this question in your podcast, I found myself thinking, 
of people that I want to call and just have over for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting because Todd, Lin- Todd Lindbergh just wrote a book called The Heroic Heart, Greatness, Ancient and Modern. And he was talking about how modern day heroes are like the firemen who went into the buildings on 9-11 right. or they're like the people who just go above and beyond and just do um, things that are just, you know, not expected of them, but they just do these acts of kindness. And he says that they're the modern heroes, that they're, they have the heroic heart acts to serve others and save others. And um, so I just, I've been thinking about that lately. And really, those are the people that I want to spend time with. Well, it, I, I love asking that question. I love it when people bring it in more local, if you will. A lot of times we think, well, we got to have these big, big names to have this great, meaningful conversation. But you're absolutely right. I mean, sometimes it's it's the people. It's just like on this show. A lot of times people ask me, "Well, what's your favorite episode?" And a lot of times people think, you know, and I got to be honest with you, some of the, the the bigger names that you you know that I have featured on there, and I get it. Sometimes I I have them on there because it helps attract an audience, and you know, just a little inside baseball. To me, some of the my favorite conversations have been those that people you've never even heard of before. You know, that don't even that don't have big communities or have made millions of dollars or led corporations. It's, it's um, kind of the everyday someone that's in the grind and doing that we're talking about. Those are my favorite conversations. And so that's right. That's what your life is made right, of. Right, It is. That's life. That's the real life. There's richness in, in all of that. And I think it goes back to the whole point of adding value. If you change your mindset, I know it helps me, and, I, and it's an intentional thing because I think we're all selfish, and you know, I'm I'm certainly wrote the book on selfishness, and I think that the more than intentional I am about how can I add value to this person's life, I think we don't say that because it seems vain or something or egotistical, but it's not. I mean, it's like what, what can I do to make this have you know add value to this person's life in the conversations? It's just weird how even like when I was at a party this weekend for the uh, 50th wedding anniversary, and people I didn't even know and. And I just said, how? And you start asking about their life and how you can add. It's weird how it, it, the whole dynamic changes. That is like a small act of kindness that you can do for people because some people just want to be heard. Right. <laughs> and sometimes you give that, when you do that, it is like a gift because sometimes it depends on, you know, the temperament and personality, but sometimes that's how people know what they really think. And that's what they know what's really going on is when they're asked a question and they start having to talk about it. And that's where a lot of epiphanies come to. Yeah. Well, this has been a true joy to meet you. I'm so glad to have met you. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I love the app. I love your website, yourpocketmentor.com. How can people reach out to you, download the app, connect with you? Thank you. I love your show too. I just admire you as an entrepreneur in, 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 in doing this show. And I hope that it's just successful beyond your wildest hopes and dreams. Um, people can go to my blog, yourpocketmentor.com, and uh, they can uh, download my free ebook, Five Ways to Add Value and Move Ahead Now. Um, and I intentionally wrote it that way. And I noticed you kept talking about adding value. And the reason it, that that's the title is because. If you want to move ahead, the first thing you need to say is, where do I add value? How do I add value? Uh, And so I'd love it if people would uh, download that book. And then there's also a button to the iTunes store right on my blog that'll take you straight to uh, where you can download the Pocket Mentor app. Yep. And I did it myself. And and like I said, I've 
peruse through it. And I love this. I love the look, the feel, the simplicity, and the content is amazing. And um, again, I'm not, I'm no affiliate with this. I just, this is my honest opinion. I love this app and um, congratulations on it. It's, it's something different and unique. The simplicity in it is what I like about it. And that's not easy as you can probably attest to. <laughs> yeah. In mobile apps. Yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for inviting me on your show. I've enjoyed every minute of it and I can't wait to listen to uh, a, a couple hundred more shows. <laughs> well, it was my pleasure to have you on. It's a fun conversation. Like I said, I look forward to, to staying in touch with you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.